Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. Now, in the last year, Americans have reported experiencing stress, anger, and worry at the highest levels in a decade, according to a new Gallup poll. In the U.S., about 55% of adults said they'd experienced stress during a lot of the day before they took the survey, and about 45% of Americans surveyed said they'd felt a lot of worry the day before. With all this said, the share of Americans who reported feeling a lot of anger the day before being interviewed, that was at 22%. So stress and anger and worry are running rampant. But what if excess stress wasn't a chronic permanent condition to be coped with, but instead it was a specific type of neurological programming that could be cured? Well, my guest today is Dr. Amy Saren, and she's here to share her work on the mechanism of the stress switch and how our stress can be short-circuited. Are you ready to meet her? Dr. Amy Saren is a world-renowned neuropsychologist on a mission to teach us how to handle stress. Her new book is The Stress Switch, The Truth About Stress and How to Short-Circuit It. She's spoken at more than 100 conferences, been featured on Huffington Post, Bustle.com, and she's been honored with many awards. As a neuropsychologist and stress expert, Dr. Saren understands the complexity of brain-based issues and utilizes cutting-edge, integrative approaches to help people reach their own individual goals. You can find out about more about Dr. Saren and her work at amysaren.com. Dr. Saren, welcome to Out of the Fog. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad you're here. Let's start simple for those people like me who were theater majors. What is neuroscience and what is neuropsychology? Well, you know, neuroscience is really the study of neurons, the study of the brain. And neuropsychology is the study or the practice of brain-based relationships and how they relate to behavior. So neuropsychologists start out as doctors in clinical psychology, and then they get more specialized training in the brain and those relationships. So um, it's a more specialized area of practice than typical psychology. What got you interested in this? Well, I love people and the brain is just fascinating. You know, it's the most complex thing in the universe and it's vastly misunderstood. So we're really at an exciting time in, um, in our culture right now in society in terms of having neuroscience really being at the cutting edge of being able to solve major problems. But yet we're stuck in these old paradigms, very obsessed with consciousness and very obsessed with chemicals. Um, and where, whereas our brain is and our bodies are actually electron chemicals. So we're really missing the boat on how, what stress really is and how the brain really works. And there's a lot of confusion out there because of these old paradigms. So just a fascinating area right now. And um, I, about 12 years ago, uh, got my doctoral degree and have kind of set out from there to not only treat stress, but to educate people and help people on a broader scale 
you know, other than just seeing people in my clinics as to how they can improve their lives significantly through uh, understanding and applying some of these concepts. So what's an example of one of those old paradigms? What's one of the things that we believe about stress or about how our brain and body function that isn't true? You know, I was just watching a Netflix special last night. It's called The Mind Explained, and they had this great show on anxiety. And the first half of it was amazing. They did a great job of breaking it down. And then the second half, I went, oh, no, because the uh, therapists were talking about, well, you just have to kind of have panic and then be okay with it, right? So our old paradigms are you need to go through extreme bouts of fight or flight or have panic or suffer with OCD, but then we'll help you sort of deal with it, accept it, and, you know, move on with your life. And that's just not true. And when we use chemicals as the basis, you know, let's say someone has panic disorder and we're using chemicals as the basis to treat that. We know that research supports that some therapeutic models actually work better than medication alone. And medication's not getting rid of this, but then people think, oh, well, you know, I guess this is just the best I can hope for. I used to panic once every two days and now I'm only panicking once a week and on the chart that looks better and this is what I have to live with. And, and the new science is not supportive of that. Panic is absolutely curable and we've been talking about this since the 80s actually that it has been. And things like OCD even can be curable. Um, or at least in remission to the point where it's not debilitating to people. And certainly things like sleepless nights, worry, test anxiety, all these things are curable. You just have to do the right things. And when we tell people to breathe through a fight or flight situation, it simply doesn't work. So things like exposure therapy, for example, for phobias, or those are maybe not solving the problem is what I'm hearing you saying. Well, exposure therapy can solve the problem. In fact, I used to do exposure therapy for a number of years, but it's so uh, distressing to go through that therapy and it takes such a long time. Now, if I need to do exposure therapy, I do it in my office with something called bilateral stimulation. So we don't have to go out in the field and I can cut my treatment time down by about two thirds. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. Um, So let me back up and ask what then as you understand and through your work, what happens in the brain and the body when we are experiencing stress? What is that? So you want to think of it like a switch. And the very, the very most important concept is that the, the network in the brain that turns the switch on, it's not one area. We're all obsessed with the amygdala and a lot of people know what that is, but it's not just one area. This network senses in some kind of information, either a loud sound or an automatic thought or a pain sensation. And it immediately turns up the stress switch, either a little bit or a lot all the way into fight or flight. And it does it without your awareness. And that's key. We used to think, I see a snake, I recognize the snake, and I go into fight or flight. But that's not true. That's too slow of a process for survival. So these pre-conscious circuits are in control of your stress switch and your stress switch is fluctuating much like an EKG. You know, you see if you're monitoring somebody's heart and the heart's kind of, you know, going up and down in rhythm and all this, so is your stress switch based on any kind of information that's being integrated. So if I can create stress in somebody just by entering in like a low level noxious noise, even if they're not perceiving that noise, right? The stress will go up and there's many ways to increase and decrease stress. But the key here is that the pre-conscious networks are in control. Stress is autonomic 
much like breathing. And then we try to use consciousness to turn it down. Now that can work if you're only moderately stressed. So we think of the stress switch as being from zero, which is completely calm, all the way up to 10, which is full-blown in fight or flight, you know, being chased by a saber-toothed tiger, let's say, okay? And if you're at a, like a four, you can think, oh, gee, I'm feeling a little stressed out. I think I'm going to breathe. Whatever my mind is telling me in stories, I can kind of calm down from that. I don't need to be stressed. Or you can kind of enter in um, some thought that tones it down maybe to a two or a three. But if you are a six or a seven, the actual structures in the brain responsible for taking deep breaths, for thinking logically, those are shut down. So we train people, no matter what your stress switch number is, to use these same methods. You know, breathe, go meditate, try to think something positive, doing all this. But we're not telling people that these strategies are not accessible to your brain when you are more than moderately stressed out on the stress switch scale. And that's what's killing us because we keep trying these methods. They don't work. And, you know, your friend or yourself, you know, like you're laying in bed at night and you can't stop your thoughts. Like, I know I can't you know, handle that difficult conversation I have to have right now or tomorrow right now, but yet I can't get it off my mind and now I'm laying here and I'm stressed out because I'm not going to get enough sleep. And how do you shut that off? You need something different than consciousness to shut it off. And that's where the technology called bilateral stimulation comes in, where you can just apply that and it will lower your stress switch for you. About 62% in 30 seconds is the published research. Then you can do the rest with your thinking brain. Okay. Wow. So that so you just blew my mind like eight times. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. um, so what is bilateral stimulation? So a lot of people know it as um, there's one way to do it. It's called tapping. So you can cross your arms and kind of tap on each arm. That's one form of bilateral stimulation. Um, and we know there's things like EMDR therapy that use it or emotional freedom technique. Um, and EMDR therapy is faster in resolving trauma than typical talk therapy. And we think it's because of the bilateral stimulation. The problem is when you're doing it yourself, it's kind of like tickling yourself. Your brain anticipates the response. And it's not quite as powerful as if you get the bilateral stimulation done to you where someone else is tapping you in a therapy session or better yet, you have devices embedded with the technology of vibrations. And we know vibrations actually work better than tapping. So there's a hierarchy of bilateral stimulation and how well it's going to work. And this is the technology that's been embedded in um, the product, the touch points. And um, there's some other products starting to emerge with the technology in them. And uh, if you just use them for about 30 seconds, the research based on over 1,000 people that's published in a scientific journal shows a 62% reduction in stress. You are listening to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager. My guest is Dr. Amy Saron. Her new book is The Stress Switch, The Truth About Stress and How to Short Circuit It. You can find out more about Dr. Saron and her work at amysaron.com. That's A-M-Y-S-E-R-I-N.com. So bilateral means to me both sides, right? Are, do you mean something that's done on both sides of the body at the same time? Or are you talking about something that affects, for example, two halves of the brain? So both, 
because um, whenever you get stimulation on one side of the body, it stimulates one side of the brain, opposite side, opposite side of the brain. So bilateral means both sides. So if you have the devices, you need two devices, not one, and they come in a kit of two. Or if you're tapping, um, you are, like, if you're going to do it yourself, you can cross your um, hands over your chest so that your right fingers are touching your left uh, between your biceps and triceps and your left arm and vice versa. And then you alternate. So I touch the left side of my body, then the right side, then the left and the right. You alternate the tapping. So that's why it's B-L-A-S-T, bilateral alternating in the ST of stimulation in the tactile form. Now, the trick here is, though, if you do it too slow, it's not going to work. If you do it um, without a certain rhythm, it doesn't work very well. But that strategy can be a lot better to lower stress than trying to sink your stress down, especially if it's high. Um, but we do find a better electroencephalogram response. So when I'm doing my research, we hook uh, brains up to EEGs, and we can actually record the live um, electrical activity of the brain in most areas of the brain. And we get a better EEG response of calming when um, someone has devices that embed um, what we call haptic microvibrations. And that's just a fancy term for they vibrate, they alternate back and forth. You can hold them in your hands, you can stick them in your pockets, you can put them in your socks. As long as one's on one side of the body and one's on the other, then they're going to work for you. And now we have people you know, all around the world using this when they're taking their board exams or when they're taking tests or when they're giving public speaking uh, presentations because not everybody suffers from a lot of anxiety, but all of us have situations in our lives where if we're in performance situations, we feel that stress. And if we get moderately stressed, it's okay. But anything beyond that is going to tank our performance and is going to um, really, really exhaust us the rest of the day. So we find that they, um, the technology can also be performance enhancing because the trick to good performance is to be a little bit stressed, but not too stressed that you choke. Wow. So can you, one of the things I like about your book, The Stress Switch, is that you share different stories of people who've come through your practice. Can you share a kind of a case study with us just to help the listeners understand what a difference it makes when we can be aware of that switch and turn it down? Sure. And so, um, you know, we can use the technology sometimes in lieu of therapy. I mean, a lot of people do need therapy for other things, but I think um, I get a lot of high-functioning patients who, let's say one has a phobia of um, flying and they're avoiding flying, then they have to go through what we would call exposure therapy anyway, right? They have to get on a plane for work or they have to do this. Normally, they just do it and they suffer through it. Or if they're trying cognitive and behavioral strategies, they're doing rituals, they're trying to take deep breaths, they're basically just trying to survive this flight but their body is just inflamed with stress hormones and chemicals the entire time. And it is an absolutely miserable experience. So what I would have um, someone do is come in, hold the bilateral stimulation while they thought about the flight. And that would reduce the stress switch from maybe like an eight or a nine down to about a three. And then any time leading up to the flight, if they thought about it and felt stress, they would apply the technology at home. They don't even need to be in the office with me. And then they would take the technology on the flight with them. And I've had several people over the years with this and other phobias not need any therapy to get the phobia to remit because the trick of exposure therapy is to create a calm nervous system 
while you're being exposed to the thing that would normally turn your stress switch up high. And once you do that over time, a few times, there's a new pattern. And the new pattern is embedded in your memory networks. And your brain is very slick at integrating patterns and using heuristics on what to go back to. This is why when you go somewhere and you have a bad experience, you avoid that place either consciously or unconsciously because your brain has coupled a negative experience with that. And so we can uncouple that and we can also create neural patterning around having positive experiences. And then one step beyond that is where you come in, Karen, and getting people to access higher order things like joy and connecting with source and accessing intuition. None of those things can be accessed when your stress switch is on high. So by lowering the stress switch, one thing that people neglect to think about is you're actually allowing for the capacity for joy Mm. and the capacity for connection because, um, and if we don't lower that, we just don't have access to it any more than we have access to our higher order thinking or the ability to plan and organize. And we've all been in fight or flight situations, you know, like time pressure is a great one. When you experience time pressure, you get a little dumber, right? You take a wrong turn and you're like, oh, I know this way. Why did I take a wrong turn? Or you forget something or these things kind of change. And it's because wherever your brain is on the stress switch at any given time dictates the quality of your thinking. If you can't experience happiness, connection, or joy, if you can plan and organize, if you can remember things, you know, all the things that we really want to have more access to turn up as we turn our stress switches down. So this is kind of an off the wall question. And so I beg your pardon in advance. If we can change those patterns, if we are always learning more, if we can, if there's technology and different ways of thinking about how the body works and we can turn down our stress switch, what else might we be able to do? Do you know what I mean? What's next? If mm-hmm. How does disease work in the body? How do other kinds of mental illnesses and pathologies work? That's fascinating to me. How far do you think you could take this or one could take this? Well, well, you know, my original hope with the technology was to actually prevent post-traumatic stress disorder and take, you know, kids, let's say there's a questionnaire called the ACEs. It's called Adverse Childhood Experiences. And we can ask someone 10 questions about their childhood. And it's basically about childhood trauma. You know, did your parents go through a divorce? Did someone, did you watch somebody regularly get beat up? You know, did somebody from your house go to jail? These questions um, really indicate how much stress a child was under. And from this very simple zero to 10 score, we can predict health outcomes, early death, addiction, um, you know, all these things because our brains and our bodies are not separate and stress is inflammatory. And to the extent that we can create an anti-inflammatory system by lowering our stress switch, everything will get better because stress moderates all of these diseases. Um, You know, stress is a part of it. So if you've got an inactive virus in your system, um, people who get cold sores, for example, when does it, when does they get a breakout? They get a breakout when they're stressed. People with um, you know immune disorders. When do they get Crohn's flare-ups or fibromyalgia flare-ups or things like that? When they're stressed out. We want to keep a low default stress switch as much as possible 
And now we have the ability to do that kind of anytime and in real time by understanding these new principles of neuroscience rather than just trying these old ways by like trying to outwit stress. It just doesn't make sense. Your consciousness is a very small network in your brain. And I know we all want to think we have this control, but it's good news that our brain is actually doing all these things for us. Otherwise, if we forgot to breathe, we would be dead, right? So there's all these processes happening as a default, as part of our autonomic system and stress is one of those. We have to look at it differently and treat it differently. And then we'll have access in more moments of our lives to be better human beings. And I think that extends to everybody around us too, because we all know, you know, when, if I haven't slept very well, and if I, you know, eat a crummy breakfast or skip breakfast, and I'm under time pressure and I'm having a conversation on the phone, I'm not going to be as calm and kind and connected to the person that I'm talking to if I weren't in a higher state of stress switch. So, and then that person is affected by it and so on and so forth, like ripples in a pond, right? So we owe it to ourselves to keep as low stress switch as possible And we also owe it to people in our lives, I think, because we really can't be inspiring. We can't be lighthouses. I can't be a very effective healer if I am in a state of activated stress. Well, and and what you're talking about is you're making me think in a different way about how I beat myself up for being stressed and the way that I hear sometimes (laughs) in the people who I talk to in my own practice where people are saying, I know everybody doesn't feel like me. If I could just get over it, I, if I could just, what, what you're saying is a, a compassionate, almost release, not of responsibility because we're all responsible for our own paths, but a release of something that we, we're beating ourselves up for controlling something that we can't really control. Yeah. I mean, look, if this is why I don't play, you know, basketball against Shaquille O'Neal, I am going to lose. I'm smaller, right? But we're asking people to do that with this tiny little network that can't actually turn the stress switch off. So one thought, let's make no mistake, one conscious thought can turn your stress switch on to seven, eight, nine, ten. If I ask people to think of something stressful, the average person can think of, of something between a seven and an eight in about two seconds. That activates their stress switch. But then when I say, now I want you to think it down, you can't. It's yeah. not a one-way street here or two-way huh. street. It's not. But but we've been told to do that. And so we've been told to use this puny little network um, or networks that really don't have control over this to use it. And then we feel bad about ourselves. I know I shouldn't be upset about going to dinner with my mother-in-law tonight, but my stomach just feels so sick and my heart's pounding and I just really don't want to do it. What's wrong with me? Well, there's nothing wrong with you. You're human. The only thing wrong is that you've been taught uh, the wrong things about the control that you have over that. You've been taught the wrong ways to hack into this network. That's it. So everyone can kind of stop beating themselves up over it and know that this is a normal thing to not have conscious control over your stress. If we did, people wouldn't be reporting the things that they did in the beginning that you were talking about, you know, in 10 years, you know, all these things are are getting worse in the last 10 years. And there's a work in psychology um, years ago, um, Dr. Cheek sent me high. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. And the article is, if we're so rich, why aren't we happy? You know, we also expect, certain things to happen that create happiness. And we are taught the wrong things there too. 
more money over a certain amount of money doesn't increase happiness at all. But we strive for more and more and more because we have this ego inside of us that's like, oh, well, you, now you make $100,000 a year. Wouldn't 150 be better? You know, and even Henry Ford said, gee, I think I'd be happier if I had a little more. Well, or I'd be happy, I think he said, if I had a little more. This is, this is a, a game, and we have to kind of step out of this insanity and also realize how happiness works in the brain because more money, the things that we're often achieving for and striving for will give us a short burst of dopamine or happiness, but that will fade back to baseline very quickly. And if we don't know that, we go after the wrong things, and that in and of itself causes a lot of stress. Dr. Saren, thank you so much. Our time ran away with us. What an interesting new way of looking at this thing that I think, I don't know anyone who says they don't suffer stress. And what a groundbreaking new way of looking at this. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you also for the wonderful work that you do. Thank you. That's Dr. Amy Saren. Her new book is The Stress Switch, The Truth About Stress and How to Short Circuit It. Now, this is worth your attention, guys. So if you go to amysarin.com, A-M-Y-S-E-R-I-N.com, check out the book, check out um, Dr. Saren's other work. That's amysarin.com. And of course, you are always welcome over at karenhager.com. That's where you can find out about who's coming up on this radio program, upcoming classes and events. And of course, you can always book a private session with me if you're so inclined. And don't forget the free guided meditation call the first Sunday of every month, Open Peaceful Heart. That's a call where people from all over the world gather for 15 minutes of guided meditation that focuses on peace in our hearts and peace in the world. That's at openpeacefulheart.com. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. Peace.